Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on February the 6th, 2012. For newcomers, help yourself to the free audios at CuttingThroughMatrix.com and you'll hopefully understand eventually that the big system that runs the world has been here for a long time. The same system that's brought generation after generation through all the cultural changes from fashion to music to movies to even the way we speak. We copy movies, of course, and how they, they really bring in a planned society. We're living through a planned society. We are a planned society, in fact, but they've got much bigger plans on the go. Uh, right now, as we speak, have been for a long time, and uh, they don't let up because they're, they're never mentioned these big organizations in government uh, circles, at least on public uh, television or anything like that. And so they, they tend to, to have a lot of privacy so much privacy, in fact, even Rockefeller thanked the media for not intruding on their private meetings uh, for the last 40 odd years. So, uh, this is how we're run by secrecy, of course, with a global agenda, a planned society. And that encompasses pretty well everything. You have to understand the meaning of a planned society to see what they're actually getting at. Help yourself to the audience, as I say, and uh, you can also help me out as well by getting the books and discs at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. This is not a, a, a big business or anything like that. It's, um, it's basically one guy who uh, had to come out and, and tell the public what he knew because he realized they hadn't a clue of the reality that was all around them. They were taught to perceive it all in a different fashion or to completely ignore it, in fact. That's how most people are. They expect the media to tell them what to worry about, and they give you lots of trivial and, and trivial things to worry about and distractions. So it's very easy to manage the planet, really, and uh, as I say, and uh, they've, been, they've done a darn good job of it so far. Most folk are oblivious of the reality. So buy the books and discs, as I say, and remember, from the U.S. to Canada, you can use a personal check. You can use an international postal money order from the post office, and you can use PayPal. Some people just send cash across the world, Western Union MoneyGram, and PayPal once again. And in the books I do, and in the writings I do as well, I, I try to show you how the cons, of the conology, I call it, this art or science of it, conology really is the science of conning the public pretty well all the time. And uh, to show you how it's been used down through the ages, uh, even through with secret societies. In a sense, your government is a secret society because you're given public relations uh, uh, information, but you're not given the truth of really what they're up to. It's gone that far. And it's been that way for an awful long time. Uh, so you're, not, you're never really told what's really, really behind anything that they're doing. Uh, nor are you told all of what they're doing in one particular area. It's all hush-hush and secretive. So you find out that the government's been using these tricks down through centuries and centuries and centuries. Very ancient, in fact. And how um, those who rule over you always pretend to serve you. They even call themselves public servants. 
and you get the highest paid jobs really imaginable and they're treated like kings and queens when they go abroad with red carpet treatment and everything else. So when you understand the system that you truly live in and the nature of man never changes and that psychopaths generally end up going into governmental circles, they're generally, again, already successful with CEOs of corporations that have clawed their way up and assassinated lots of folk on the way in a metaphorical sense, sometimes real too, but uh, they become the top dogs. Advisors are more important than the, the puppets they put in front. Carol Quigley told us that. And he was the historian for the Council on Foreign Relations. So we're living through, as I say, a planned agenda. Help yourself to the audios and make good use of them. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the matrix. What I do on this broadcast really is to tie in mainstream media and try and add to what uh, they've actually omitted to give you the bigger picture of what's been going on because the media never gives you the whole story. We're misled by partial truths, you see. It's far easier to do that. And 90% of the paper could be your, your regular trivia, and that's okay. Whatever they're telling you might be truthful or untrue, doesn't matter. And then again, uh, the, one, the one little part that's left uh, is a mixture of truth and fiction or misleading uh, facts, as they say, to try and get you on board with uh, a global agenda, for instance, like think local, act global, or vice versa. And these kind of things, everything is propaganda, you see. Everything is literally propaganda, even the trivia is often propaganda, uh, and um, it's, it's quite interesting how you all get nudged now. I, I don't know if you've looked at Sunstein's book, The Nudge, and, and he actually talks about nudging you along in, uh, on your computer. Uh, people who read this also read that, and they nudge you into the, the way to go. But Sunstein himself says that we don't just nudge them in where to go and look. He says we nudge them into the proper places to look, where they'll come away with the, the proper opinions. You understand? Do you understand? Did tell that doesn't that tell you that the governments and Microsoft and all the other corporations out there are all working on the same agenda? They're all just arms of the same agenda. And therefore, be careful how you get nudged to here, to there, to anywhere, because the first part of warfare is always psychological. Always psychological. And those who, who hear propaganda coming out from you, for instance... Uh, will also put their counter-propaganda or, or even the same kind of propaganda and spin it off. So be, uh, be awfully careful of what you allow into your mind and, and always do your own research on any particular topic because you have to. You have to you're responsible ultimately to yourself and what you think and what you put out. No one can force you to think one way or another. But we do it so willingly when it sounds uh, familiar to us or from, from agencies we trust, for instance. Now, I try, as I say, and uh, basically categorize and uh, catalog the events as we go through them and, and go back in time as to when this first started or even where the idea came up with in the first meetings, for instance, on different topics. And you'll find that everything that's on the go today literally was getting spoken about sometimes 50 years ago, sometimes 100 years ago, and these private circles, as they like to tell, call themselves. 
uh, and uh, the Royal Institute of International Affairs is one of the biggest players in, in the planet on this. And there are, there are other organizations they have that don't like the word royal gets the title Council on Foreign Relations. And they're, they're this. So they run the world. And under them and belonging to them is every corporation in the world when you see their membership list. Every single one. And they have specialized think tanks on every darn area of society. They've had one on the go, just one think tank working on the coming food crisis for the last 16 years now. Go into their website at Chatham House and have a little peek. But uh, they also tend to, for the general public, they put out a lot of stuff too that has... It has their objectives in it, but of course the reasons for those objectives are, are awfully obscure. They don't tell you the true agenda. And so there's always an inner party and an outer party to Chatham House or, or the CFR. And again, Carl Quigley talked about that since he was the historian for the group. He says the inner party don't publish uh, all of the, the truth or, or even some, sometimes any of it in certain cases to the general public. And even their outer party must take for granted and, 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 and verbatim and truthful what is given to them and what they put out to the public. Everyone in turn is played, understand, in this game of deception. Everyone is used. So technically they also use their outer party, and that consists of lots of journalists, thousands of them across the world, uh, and many other players in politics and so on. But uh, it's very much like the, the NGOs. The NGOs tend to generally, they've been funded for 100 years by the Rockefeller Foundation, Ford, Carnegie, and a whole bunch of other ones. And their job is to always look for a, a, a socialist or communistic uh, grand finale to all this when the world becomes completely communist and there's fairness, fairness and, and, and all this wonderful hugging each other stuff across the whole planet. And what their leaders don't tell them, because the leaders are always supplied, remember. Always supply the leaders. Uh, the, the leaders don't tell them that you know, it's going to be a very, very harsh system where literally they want to depopulate you. In fact, uh, they want to, to, uh, they want you to come to them and justify why you exist. If you're not serving the, the great cause, you know, uh, the great global cause. So everyone's lied to in turn. And it's easy to get people into big crowds to go and protest things. The problem is that at the end you, you find you've been used by big Marxist groups. Marxism is just the other hand, you see, of capitalism. If you haven't figured that out. And that's why so many of the big capitalists, especially in the US and London, um, uh, financed the whole communist revolution and, and we kept financing and, and, and feeding Russia right through its, or Soviet Union and through its entire existence. Canada and the States used to compete every year. Right up to about, uh, uh, the 1980s to feed Russia, to get the big contracts. Why would you be feeding uh, an enemy that was going to blow you up at any minute? And, and who went by a communistic regime that said they were going to eliminate all the middle classes, generally bloodily, like they did in the Soviet system. Why would they be allowed? Why, why would you be doing that? It's because it never was real, folks. Real to the ones at the bottom, the bottom players, they didn't know any better. But the ones above them knew darn well. Lenin certainly knew uh, that the, the, the dictatorship would last about 70 years. And then join the West and just system not quite communist, not quite capitalist. Same banks though. Same banks. <laughs> 
And, and that's why the bankers like dealing with nations rather than individuals. A nation can uh, use its enforcement arm, which the taxpayer pays for, to go and hit you in the head if you don't pay up the money that eventually ends up in the bankers' pockets for national uh, borrowing. We also live in a system which is highly uh, technological, and it's really uh, busting ahead. At least what they're giving us is is busting. I'm sure they're way ahead of what they tell us. They'll never tell you the whole truth on anything, especially to do with weaponry. But um, the hell they're bringing in is truly a a science fiction nightmare. So a lot of it's already here, of course, but a lot more is still to come. They've shown it all in all the movies they've given us over the years. This, this is kind of like Minority Report too. You saw those little spiders and swarms and everything. It says swarming their way gracefully to a, a war zone. Gracefully to a war zone, isn't it? It's like ballet dancers tiptoeing off to go and bayonet people. Amazing flying display of robotic choppers that could one day help our troops. It's to help the troops, you understand. You know damn well it's for you. <laughs> Like some epic computer-generated movie scene, futuristic aircraft swarm around its sync in synchronized fashion and perform impressive mid-air stunts. So we can get pretty well, good, well entertained, this are killing us. But the spectacle is real, and the robotic nano-quadrotors, they call them, despite being not bigger, much bigger than your hand, could one day revolutionize warfare. We're awfully good at killing ourselves, aren't we? There's so much money goes into killing, because you see, that's where power truly is. It's always been that way. Aristocracy rose up, nobility rose up through slaughtering first neighbors and then areas and uh, all the way up to nations. That's why they do it. It says the miniature helicopters which have four propellers are still in their infancy and development but have been extensively trialed carrying items and maneuver through small gaps. So don't open your windows if it's a bit warm. It is hoped they may be useful in locations where construction is hazardous for humans, such as in war zones, oil rigs, or on extremely tall skyscrapers. Now, the team from the University of Pennsylvania, well known for its quadrotor research, I've never heard of it before, well known though, have uh, programmed the mini choppers to carry out autonomous swarm behavior. This means that they can fly like birds or bees, moving on mass in a synchronized fashion in one direction or another without being programmed to perform individual maneuvers. So there's a video posted on the web by Alex Kushlyev, Daniel Millinger, and Vijay Kumar of the General Robotics Automation Sensing and Perception uh, demonstrates the feat. So you can watch that if you need to watch that. It's better to watch a science fiction. Up to 20 nanoquadrotors swarm around in multiple formations that echo the red arrows. So it's just like ballet, ballet in the sky, eh? And then they bring out these little things and perforate your skull with little holes. <laughs> Well, that's where your tax money is going for anyway. And an even better future than the, the drone ones we have, the day we have drones flying over you and, and all this kind of thing. And austerity too. It's so amazing that people don't understand what austerity means. You have to look it up and look through the history of austerity and the, the times it's used. It's always used in warfare, and, and that's generally when they hit you. Or again, when they want to soak more taxes out of you and put it elsewhere that they never tell you about. It says, half a million lights go out and black out Britain. Councils blame cuts as streets are left in the darkness. This is part of the sustainability program. If you don't understand it, Agenda 21. They've all to cut back on everything. That includes councils and everything else. You know. So it says, tall town halls are switching off half a million street lights to save money, despite fears of increased crime and accidents. A Daily Mail investigation found... 
majority of county councils in England and Wales are plunging some residential and rural roads into darkness between midnight and dawn. And then it goes on, where lights are, this is not the first time I've done this, where lights have been left on after midnight, some councils are fitting them with uh, dimmers to reduce electricity consumption. So as they, as they cut back on all the power, especially the coal power and everything else, which is definitely part of the agenda, they've closed lots, a lot since then already, and we've all signed deals to eventually eliminate coal, and then I guess we'll have little windmills like they had at the circuses and fairs used to hold them in their hands and prrr, you know until the end fell off it and which happens again to the big ones too when they hit a storm anyway this is the austerity measures are going through and we're all going to get it rolling blackouts were announced by the un 20 odd years ago back with more after this break Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the matrix. And you know, reading this article about austerity and sustainability and how you already cut back on it, but the same thing that Morris Strong was talking about 20 years ago. 20 years ago, he said that all this was coming, and he worked at the United Nations at that time. He popped over to be put in charge of Ontario Hydro, electric, electric system for Ontario at that time, publicly owned, in order to sell it off, which he did, by the way. But he also talked about the coming... Uh, uh, austerity, especially doing energy, and only essential businesses only would get uh, power, etc., etc. This guy knows what he's talking about since he helps design, you know, how we all go across the world from the United Nations. Anyway, this article again talks about how, how much they're going to save, and it mentions different uh, counties that are going to turn off electric, electric lights about midnight or so. But you understand what's the other agenda here? It, it's actually it's a curfew. Doesn't say curfew anywhere in the article. You're supposed to think about that yourself. You understand? Everyone's been trained for everything to be spelled out to them in, in very simplistic languages. It's grade five is what they actually say. They make this all the, the, the stuff for the consumers out there for uh, to read. But you're supposed to do the thinking for yourself, like Kissinger said and Brzezinski said too, uh, that um, the people have been able to reason for themselves shortly. They'll expect the media to, to do the reasoning for them. Well, obviously, you'll have the beginning of a curfew, you see, across the country. And although they won't say it's illegal to be out after midnight, you will get stopped and say, well, suspicious, you're going to stop me because you're suspicious you're out after midnight. And you start getting hassled, then you won't go after midnight. There's many ways to achieve your objective. Yeah, many ways. So think about it. That's, that's definitely coming, and that is part of the bigger picture of it, of course. And talking about austerity, you know, we have the, the Tsar, the, uh, Nicholas Sarkozy, who spends £10,000 a day on food <laughs> and keeps 121 cars under his palace. So it says he's been promised to cut back on his presidential spending, but he's actually splashing out £10,000 a day on food and keeps 121 cars under the Elysee Palace, according to a new book, it says here. Socialist MP René Dossier in L'Argent, in uh, the Tat, money from the state, says, sets out what he sees as extraordinary excesses by the French president. An explosive book accuses Sarkozy of ignoring the most elementary principles of separation between public and private accounts. Sarkozy, whose palace 
uh, budget exceeds that of the Queen. Recently, he started to say there would be a rupture with his past money, splurging ways and more transparency. Uh, yeah, sure. It's cancelled the annual £500,000 palace garden party. That must be a great thing to, to forego. That must be weeping. But this doesn't go far enough, according to Dozier. Just last week, he spent a, sent a medical team to the Ukraine on board a state-owned private jet to attend to one of his sons. That's like most companies are doing that kind of stuff. Pierre, and fly him back to Paris to the tune of £22,000. This fleet of cars is double the size of predecessor Jack Chirac and costs annually £100,000 to insure and a whopping £275,000 to fuel. Never mind the guys that are taking care of them and polishing them all the time. Then there are his huge travel costs. He uses an Airbus A330 dubbed Air Sarko 1 <laughs> that drained the public purse of £215 million to kit out. Is accompanied by a delegation of 300 people on trips abroad and travels more often than previous presidents, claims Dossier. And it goes on and on with the usual stuff. But that's how they live, you see, at the top, where they tell you to be austere. And uh, what do you think all, what all the cutbacks are doing? Well, the, the cash still goes up, up and up. It doesn't go down, it goes up, you see, upwards. All the cash goes up and they can actually afford to splash out more than themselves, you know. He even says here the French people also chip in for a thousand pounds worth of daily newspapers and Sarkozy's house wine, the red option being a hundred and sixty pounds bottle of Crow's Hermitage, which guests use to wash down foods such as lobster, carpaccio and calves cheeks. And these guys are telling us we've all become vegetarian. <laughs> this total annual expenditure comes to ninety five million pounds. So uh, nothing, nothing exciting there. It's, it's just the way it is, isn't it? Now, I'll also be up, to, up tonight. Uh, an article uh, came out a couple of years ago. Um, it's a good summary, really, of Agenda 21, and it's got links to it, it all too. Agenda 21, the end of Western civilization, and uh, it's from News with Views. I'll put that up tonight too, and for those who have an attention span uh, of past uh, two or three minutes, you can work your way through it. And look up Agenda 21, Sustainable Development, where you even find the, the speeches uh, from the big boys who helped plan it all, including Maurice Strong of Canada. Uh, and uh, the fact that the speeches the way they gave, they had to call it different names in different countries so that the public wouldn't be suspicious that it was all one big agenda <laughs> from the top guys themselves. And... Um, says here in his opening remarks that the ceremony is at the Air Summit. It's the last one. The next one is coming up this year, and that's going to be the real kicker for you. Maurice Strong stated, The concept of national sovereignty has been an immutable, indeed sacred principle of international relations. It is a principle which will yield only slowly and reluctantly to the new imperatives of global environmental cooperation. They just call it cooperation. It is simply not feasible for sovereignty to be exercised unilaterally by individual nation states, however powerful. The global community, who is this global community? Have you ever voted for them or seen them? Must be assured of environmental security. If this is true, then he and his cohorts must be even more against individual sovereignty. Keep this quote in mind as you read about Agenda 21. And it gives you all the big boys that attended the last lot. And uh, everybody and anybody uh, that's at the top. All in it together, including their sustainable uh, blackouts and everything else. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. 
because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. We're back, cutting through the matrix. And interestingly, too, we tend to be insular, especially the U.S. They still think they're, because they have so much media, they think they've been told more truth. But, but the opposite's true. Everything is about what's internal, and they're always distracted about what's internally happening inside the U.S. And, and I keep saying this is a global agenda. And you have to compare it with other countries. And it's quite easy then to, to it's a little detective thing. You, and you just follow this. Oh, they're doing it, and they're doing it, and they're doing it, and they're doing it. Who started it? And you, you, bingo, you've got your answer. It's global. Full body scans rolled out at all Australian international airports after trial. It says, what the trials, of course, before we got ours. And then the employees started coming down with cancers. So I don't know what kind of trial it is. Anyway, it says, um, passengers at airports across Australia will be forced to undergo full body scans or be banned from flying under, there's, there's free choice for you, eh? uh, under new laws to be introduced into federal parliament this week. But they're on a roll. They're completely Fabian socialists now. And when the Fabians get in openly, they really go to town. In a radical $28 million security overhaul, the scanners will be installed at all international airports from July and follows trials in Sydney and Melbourne in August and September last year. The government is touting that technology is the most advanced available with equipment being able to detect metallic and non-metallic items beneath clothing. It's also keen to allay concerns to raise on travel online forums that passengers would appear nude on security screens as they had when similar scanners were introduced at the U.S. airports. The technology will show passengers on a screen as stick figures of neither sex or who's kidding who. <laughs> who's kidding who? <laughs> They're talking to children, eh? They're all, we're all children. Yeah, yeah, yeah massa. Okay, okay, boss. Stick figures. Uh, we're sexless, eh? And I'll show you too. This is a, this is a nasty thing about uh, what happened with the chains, food chains, and all kind of store chains. Something that happened even in Germany in the, in the, in the 20s. The big chains were taken over then. And um, that was one of the, the grievances that the Germans had. Because once you have fewer choices, eventually you're under the gun, especially for things for your, like your food, for instance. And now you have uh, grocery stores that have big long chains. It's not called chains for nothing, you know. And over there, Coles, one of the big ones there, have taken over food chains. And I think it's even Woolworths or something. There's two or three of them really snapping it up. And then uh, if any of them slash their prices, uh, the other ones are bitching to the government. They pass laws so they can't be cheaper than that. So in other words, they're all selling the same prices, same prices eventually once they, they get their way. And, uh, and they're again hit big time too uh, with uh, their exports of, of cattle abroad and, and meat abroad because... Of, again, they get all the greenies coming in who are awfully handy at times when you want to isolate and put the people into poverty in Australia. And another thing too, as the main products, they call them iconic products, shift offshore from Australia. It says um, that uh, even, even stuff that we use every day, even disinfectants and things, all, everything's moving offshore in Australia. And they'll be selling more and more of its assets just in New Zealand shortly too. 
But it says, uh, yeah, I've got an article, I'll put that up too, talking about the, the basic things that you use every day and basic brands are all moving offshore f- from Australians, which had to come under free trade, you understand. That's part of free trade. Free trade is you open your doors to everybody else on the planet if you're a first world country and then you sink down into the slime of the third world gradually. That's really what it's about. In this article too, it's called Green Cities, Cool Mayors, Red Ink and Dead Culture. Quite good, actually, from 2009. And uh, she's done a lot of work on sustainability and all the world environment days and so on. She turns up to those and prints everything up. Green Cities Declaration, that's all part of the Sustainability 2 Agenda 21 and the Urban Environmental Accords. These are all terms for the same thing, just to confuse the public. But she's just a good uh, document on these. She says... Um, at the U.S. Conference of Mayors in San Francisco, June the 5th, 2005, two documents, the Green Cities Declaration and the Urban Environmental Accords, were presented. Every mayor in attendance signed them. Because of that, every citizen in America is threatened. The two documents are part and parcel of the United Nations Agenda 21. Canada's in it completely, too, and all the mayors in Canada as well. The first is the declaration that the mayors of all the cities of the U.S. and the world are going to be the implementers of Agenda 21. The second explains how it will be implemented, closing with the statement, the goal is for cities to pick three actions to adopt each year. You understand, if you don't read these articles, you have no idea. You see little bits in your paper and take no notes, and then you just forget it. You delete it, basically. If the cities achieve the goal of implementing three actions each year from 2005, they will have completed their 21 actions in the seven years leading up to June the 5th, 2012, the date of World Environment Day. And it's also, again, about the time where Maurice Strong and his Rio uh, Plus 20 summit, the second summit, uh, comes into action, the, big, the biggie, that's the biggie. And what exactly will each city have achieved by then if they have a complete each of the 21 actions set out by the Green Cities Green Mayor's Plan? They will have received 21 green stars, just like school, eh? That's it. Besides being in debt, deep debt and having taken away their citizens' rights along with their property. While the website for green cities touts cost savings, jobs creation, happy citizens, the reality is just the opposite. That reminds me of Bertrand Russell talking about the future. He's a big, big player in handling the mob, you know, the masses, as he called them. Uh, the useless eaters, and he talks about uh, the government. The people will be happy because the government will tell them they are. You see? He says, the reality is just the opposite. Seven areas that comprise three actions each make up the 21 practical actions called for in the accords. The seven areas are energy, and that's where you have to end up paying for all your energy. That's including uh, the cost of manufacturing and energy units, everything that you purchase. Waste reduction, Urban design, urban nature. Urban design is a Gen 21 where there's no private property. You understand that bank crash did a lot more than just achieve the fact that the bankers would be more stinking rich than they were before. It was also, I mean, this Obama is, is, going, to, is going to sell off or give away, you know, 250 million homes or something. It's, it's, it's something, one incredible amount, whatever the heck it is. Uh, and, uh, but, but the thing is, however millions of homes is given away that the government took over in the bank crash, who's getting it, number one? Same guys who always run rentals. That's who. And, um, and uh, they'll be getting it for peanuts as well, if, if, if they pay anything at all. Millions of homes. And um, it's all part of rental. Now you rent it. That's Agenda 21. No private property in Agenda 21 would be allowed. And no private vehicles, only essential vehicles only. And you think it's all just fluff? They're implementing it all. 
and also the, the transportation, environmental health, and water. Water. There's such an article I've got here too, Water as a Weapon, was discussed by the governments as well. It says, what the governments have to do, the city councils and all the rest of the town councils, strive to meet or beat the Kyoto Protocol targets in their own communities through actions ranging from anti-sprawl land use. Police to urban forest restoration projects to public information campaigns. Use of eminent domain to take private property developed or not and replace it with tiny surveillance monitored parks. That's where they can tase you like that article I read last week, where the woman tased the guy who was walking his dogs. You know. uh, Green's words, I should, I should say it was a cattle prodded them. You know, that's what they are, just cattle prods on wires. And Green's words and indoctrination campaigns at all levels from schools, always in schools to start, to workplace, to the media. Uh, urge the state governments and the federal government to enact policies and programs to meet or beat the greenhouse gas. And that's what they've been doing for the last few years. doesn't matter what the feds say, you see. They're still going ahead through uh, all these ones, these, these kind of uh, agendas. Emission reduction targets suggested for the U.S. and the Kyoto Protocol, 7% reduction from 1990 levels by 2012. Urge the U.S. Congress to pass the bipartisan greenhouse gas reduction legislation, which would establish a national emission trading system. There's your, your cash thing again, the trading carbon credits. And that was, that commission, that paper was drafted up by Waxman Markey. Since the meeting in 2005, the total number of U.S. mayors to sign on has passed 900. But because not every mayor in every city has yet signed on to green cities, local citizens are asked to take charge of the project for their cities and move them forward. See, they, they act on every level. Then they get the greenies in the, each area to mobilize and start pressurizing the mayors who haven't signed it yet. Some mayors have uh, turned down the offer of being a cool mayor. One suggests that the program appears likely to lose its way and simply redistribute wealth in the state. Whoa, that mayor can read between the lines. A columnist in Michigan wrote that while some may argue that it's logical to provide this type of funding, the program is offering actually $100,000 catalyst grants to big cities while offering small towns matching grants to larger cities. It's important to remember that past state and local government efforts to stimulate economic growth in larger cities have failed. The governor's attempts to revitalize Michigan's economy through the Cool Cities Initiative might seem honorable, but it's ironic that the state is handing out hundreds of thousands of dollars in dubious grants at a time when legislators are debating the pair-pupil funding for schools, money for higher education, and restraining Medicaid benefits. It should shift its focus to providing a secure environment that is open to new business by restructuring the single business tax, rationalizing its regulatory environment, and removing other roadblocks to economic development. So that's one part, again, of Agenda 21, and it really impacts every facet of your life. And it's so amazing to me that when uh, your, your major uh, faces come on television and the news time, uh, the straight faces, they tell you this is happening, that's going to cost you more. That's, they never tell you what's behind it. And they call themselves journalists. Who's kidding who? They know what's going on. You're not supposed to know what's going on. You're supposed to be nice, nice little boys and girls. That's all you're supposed to be. And leave it all to the experts. And another article too on directed energy weapons that came out um, uh, January 29th. 
And it says, uh, in the dawn of 2012, many Americans still left in the dark and unawakened to the fact that their omnipotent government and uh, floundering leaders, that's good, in Washington would have anything less than the people's best interests at heart, will now face one of their biggest fears. It says, factions within the U.S. government's military-industrial complex have been and indeed are testing directed energy weapons, along with chemical, nuclear, and biological agents on the civilian populace. In fact, U.S. law approved by Congress, and the link is here, by the way, allows chemical and biological testing also on the populace, and it's got the public laws there. It says the President of Commission for the Study of Bioethical Issues is comprised of 13 members and was established in November 2009 by way of Executive Order 13521, which was issued by President Barack H. Obama. According to the PCSBI official government website, the President Commission for the Study of Bioethical Issues advises the President on bioethical issues that may emerge from advances in biomedicine and related areas of science and technology. The Commission works with the goal of identifying and promoting policies and practices that ensure scientific research, health care delivery, and technological innovation. That's the part you have to look at. And technological innovation are conducted in an ethically responsible manner. It says, it goes on to say that, uh, concludes that the Commission has engaged in various studies over time, one of which was the December 15, 2011 study entitled Moral Science Protecting Participants in Human Subjects Research. So they've already been doing it on thousands of people, and it's got all the, the different articles and links to what's been actually happening. It says, Moral Science Protecting Participants in Human Subjects Research reads like a mad scientist diary, stating, the Presidential Commission for the Study of Bioethical Issues today issued its report concerning federally sponsored research involving human volunteers, concluding that current rules and regulations provide adequate safeguards to mitigate risk. In its report, Moral Science, Perfecting Participants in Human Subjects Research, the Commission also recommended 14 changes to current practices to better protect research subjects and called on the federal government to improve its tracking of research programs supported with taxpayers' dollars. It goes on to openly admit that the U.S. government spread bioagents to Guatemalans in the mid-1940s and other ones too. And I've done the ones since then too that came out where they were actually copying the tests that they were doing in Britain until a guy from the U.S. military stood in and says, no, it's having terrible effects on the public in Britain who didn't know they were getting sprayed with all this stuff. This is back in the 60s and 70s. And he said, I don't want it happening here. And they go, they go on about many other things in this article about uh, how they gave uh, the Guatemalans uh, sexually transmitted diseases and then studied them and things like that. It happens all the time. It's a horror story looking back on the past. In the U.S., they're even injecting uh, plutonium solutions in black people. And I've put up the links in that, and it should be in the archives at cuttingthroughmedics.com. It actually told them that cancers, and they didn't have cancers at all. And these are brand new treatments to see how to affect them. What it is, give them the stuff and then monitor them till they, till they die, basically, all the effects. Because you're different, they'll never do that to you. No, you're too, you're too important, eh? Yeah. And a smart meter screw up too. It says, uh, white uh, hat hackers have exposed the privacy shortcomings of smart meter technology. The researcher said Germany, uh, the German firm Discovery, uh, apparently allowed information gathered by smart meters to travel over an insecure link to its servers. The information which could be intercepted apparently could be interpreted to reveal not only whether or not users happen to be home at the time and consuming electricity, 
but even what film they were watching, what movie they were watching, based on the fingerprint of power usage. The many surprising secrets revealed by some smart meter setups were revealed during a presentation by researchers Dario Carlusio and Stefan Brinkos on the 28th, uh, at the 28th Chaos Computing Congress, they called it. Uh, it's like a hacker conference in, in Berlin late last month. During a talk entitled Smart Hacking for Privacy, the researchers explained that they came across numerous security and privacy-related issues after signing up with the Smart Electricity Meter Service supplied by Discover G. This is Discover G, not Discovery. And this link is also here. You can look at the YouTube and see what, what uh, they came up with. Because Discover G's website SSL certificate was misconfigured, the meters failed to send data over secure encrypted link, contrary to claims Discover G made at the time before the presentation. This meant that con- confidential electricity consumption data was sent in clear text. Because meter readings were sent in clear text, the researchers were able to intercept and send black, uh, back forged incorrect meter readings back to Discover G. This is an addition that the researchers discovered that a complete historical record of users' uh, meter usage was easily obtained from Discover G's servers via an interface design to provide, provide access to usage for only the last three months. The meter is supplied by the firm log power usage in two-second intervals. This fine-grained data was enough not only to determine what appliances a user was using over a period of time, thanks to the power signature of particular devices, but even which film or movie they were watching. And uh, it says they explained that the fluctuating brightness levels of a film or, or a TV show when displayed on a plasma screen or LCD TV created fluctuating power consumption levels. This creates a, a power consumption signature for a film that might be determined from the readings obtained by Discovery's technology. The researchers concluded that the two-second frequency of power reading was unnecessary for Discovery's stated goal of providing a warning for consumers should they, for example, have left an iron on for leaving the use of the house. So it's for other uses, as you can see. It's for to know everything you're doing at home. Back with more after this break. Hi, folks, we're back. This is Cutting Through the Matrix, and I'm going to go to a caller in a minute, but first I'm going to tell you that everybody's discriminated against this world, so I'm putting up one about Scotsmen and how Scotsmen are discriminated in, in this, this time in history with all, all the technology as well ties in with it. So I'll put a video up for you tonight to watch. Now we'll go to the caller, and, and there's Alex from New York still hanging on the line there. Are you there, Alex? Yep. Yep. Go ahead. Yeah, I wanted to um, ask you, I don't know if you've um, commented on this or even want to, but um, what do you think about how well apparently Ron Paul is doing right now? Uh, I don't see things the, the way I'm supposed to see them. Uh, I've mentioned before, it doesn't matter how well he does. I, I, I think most folk agree they probably, they probably won't let him in. He's enough uh, people. Basically, the general public will never even hear about him. It happens in Canada once in a while too with an outside runner. Um, but but it's not so much how he does. It's the fact that if, if he got in, if he got as far enough as being sworn in, he'd have to be surrounded by hand-picked military. Hand-picked military. He'd have to be in a Pope mobile. Because the big boys aren't going to stop everything they've done for the last hundred years because of one person. You know, they're not going to do it. They, they aren't, it's not going to happen. Wouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, I wanted to, um, 
talk about it was a while ago, but um, my experience down at Occupy Wall Street. Yeah. Um, like down at Zuccotti Park, the original one. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a whole lot of people down there, people who are just plain old socialists and people who are like patriots mm-hmm. and and want things to be better and kind of know what's going on. But a, but a really big problem I noticed there is just a lot of people that want to tell you how to do things. Mm-hmm. Just like a, a lot of people I noticed that would probably make some very good future bureaucrats. Yeah. Because they, yeah. uh, there's just too many people there who think they know everything and that them being so much smarter than everyone, they should be able to tell everyone what to do. You're quite right. And again, too, a lot of them are students out of the universities and... Yep. The universities have been teaching Marxism for years. It's taught openly in Canada. It's a big subject, and a lot of folk take it. And uh, they're, they're neo-Trotskyists, as they like to call themselves. Uh, but they, they are definitely used as an army. Everybody in a group, you understand, who haven't come to conclusions by themselves is being used by somebody else. Uh, and once they get these, these conclusions imprinted in them, they, they are simply an army to be used with buzzwords that just turn them on and off, you know. It's very easy to do, environmentalism and so on. And they just click on environmentalism, talk about something else, they click off again. And Yeah, yeah and a couple other scary things that happened there. Just the whole um, one person says something, I'm standing like way farther than everyone else. I can hear them perfectly well. If for some reason the entire group has to repeat every word this person yeah. says. That's right. And that's just not right. Well, that was a technique, again, dreamed up by the Marxists a long time ago. And they used that in other countries years and years ago. So it's been used again. It worked then. It will work now. And all you've got, really, is all you need is leaders and a mob to follow them. And the mob are the sheep that George Orwell talked about. Two legs good, four legs bad. You know, and then vice versa, four legs good, two legs bad. They didn't even notice the change themselves. They just parrot what the leaders say because they're all enthusiastic and on board with their heroes that they're presented with. So you're quite right, absolutely. But thanks for calling. And from Hamish, myself, Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God or your God, school with you.